In a week where we've seen some things we thought we'd never see, and if you've been alive the last 21 years, you'll know one thing. We've literally seen it all. A war, a recession, and a pandemic. But there's more to see. In a week where the President of the United States gets his Twitter permanently discontinued. We're in a week where the president incites a riot at the Capitol. This has been one hell of a week. And we're going to be here to talk about it. Not the politics, but this pro wrestling, which can be po political at times. Trust me, I know. Um, but this week, we have a lot to get into. Welcome to the show, everybody. I see things a little differently. Um, we have a lot to get into. And I know a lot of you have been saying, sometimes I feel like I'm rushing it because I'm trying to hit that under the hour, which is probably true. Uh, this week, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, and this week, where I did get some great feedback from last week's new segment called More Epic. Uh, we will do one more of those. And like I said, if I continue to get it, it won't be every week, but it'll be... When I'm really feeling a certain topic, we'll do one more this week. But we have to get into Wrestle Kingdom, Nights 1 and Night 2, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, some news and notes. So this one, this show, you do not have to worry about it being short. It will be as long as I need to get all this stuff, all these thoughts off my chest. So let's start with Wrestle Kingdom, Night 1. John Moxley made a surprise appearance at their L.A. dojo to pretty much say he was going to face the winner of whoever has the briefcase between Kenta and... And by the way, uh, it was supposed to be Kenta and... Um, not Jay White. Jay White's on my mind, though. Um, I'm drawing a blank here of who it was supposed to be originally, but he got hurt. Uh, Juice Robinson. But Juice Robinson got hurt, so we had to fill in. Kenta, there was never any doubt. Kenta was keep, keeping that briefcase. Kenta's been challenging Moxley for the last several months. I don't know when this match is going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. Seeing John Moxley with that U.S. title for the first time in forever felt good. Um, a lot of people can forget he's a double champion. Well, he was a double champion, excuse me. But um, that was a nice appearance to make, even if he can't be there. Because um, I couldn't, I could only imagine if he did go. I mean, he probably had to quarantine for like a month from his pregnant wife. I don't think he wants to do that. That sounds like a terrible idea. Um, but this match is going to happen this year. I'm looking forward to it. I'm assuming he's going to drop that belt because he's had it for almost a year now. You know, they stripped him of it once, but I'm assuming they know something that we don't know. There's a reason they have not stripped him of it a second time. So looking forward to that match. The Gorillas of Destiny, they finally break the curse. Going into this match, they were O for life in the Tokyo Dome. They had never won a match at Wrestle Kingdom. The opposite of the Undertaker's record. Not only did they break the curse, but they broke a record. They are seven-time New Japan Tag Team Champions. That is a record. And their first time winning at Wrestle Kingdom. So congratulations to them. Kota Ibushi finally wins the big one. He beats Naito to become the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion. He says he wants to unite the belts. I would much rather them split them up again. I think they're going to end up doing that. Um, I... Th 
I hate to see belts just giving up sometimes. Uh, but I think it's okay in this situation if they can do like some kind of type of tournament for the Intercontinental and Ibushi can just hold the the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But after the match, Jay White comes out and says, hey, enjoy it. Because you're only having one moment, and then tomorrow night, I'm taking that moment away. So let's get right to night two as well. Sonata defeated Evil. Uh, I haven't really been the biggest fan of Evil. Uh, Evil's matches, but they but this was all right, not too bad. But in the main event, 48 minutes strong, Kota Ibushi defeated Switchblade Jay White to retain both titles. So he will get his run with it. This is his time. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to it because I'm believing at some point in time this year we're going to see AEW and New Japan collaborate. And can you imagine when the Golden Lovers, a.k.a. Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, both are on the same stage, same arena, both holding the belts they're holding, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Um, overall, I thought Wrestle Kingdom was all right. Um, I do think they were hurt by the lack of extra talent they could bring in, by the injuries and everything, but it was not a bad show by any stretch of the imagination. Um, th- they may have taken a loss, though. Uh, it is rumored, this is just a rumor, that uh, Jay White, uh, he did cut a great promo afterwards. I mean, there was this moment at the end of that match where Jay White's just on the mat, and he's looking at the Intercontinental and the Heavyweight Championship, and he's crawling over to them, and Red Shoes just grabs one belt, and then Jay White reaches for the other one. Red Shoes grabs the other one. And it's kind of like that out-of-reach type of thing. He cut a great promo afterwards saying he, he doesn't know why he's still doing this. And that he's going to fulfill his commitment at New Year's Bash, which there was no angle for. And I understand why. Uh, I, I believe Japan is going back into a lockdown after the second strain of COVID uh, has been detected there. Um, so that's probably why they did not do the uh, another show closing angle like they usually do. Um but he pretty much insinuated he was done. But a rumor is that WWE, mainly Triple H, NXT, want Jay White badly. Um, he So he may be WWE bound. Um, you know, he's he's a former champ. So, like, he's he's done... I don't know if he's done everything. He, he hasn't won in the main event of uh, Wrestle Kingdom. But I don't think anyone... I, I believe it's a record... Uh, that no first-timer has ever main-evented the first time at Wrestle Kingdom and won. So I believe that that many people have done that already. Um, But this was a hell of a way to go out. It was a good match. It didn't need to be as long as it was, but these New Japan matches tend to go fucking hours, so it's not surprising either. Let's get to to WWE now. Let's get to Raw. Legend Night was a waste. You know who agrees with me? Ali. Ali cut one hell of a promo on Raw Talk because he was complaining about how they weren't booked on the show. And, by the way, I have to say this before I keep going. I meant to say something a couple weeks ago, but it slipped my mind. Charlie Caruso and R-Truth are probably the biggest instigators, not talk show hosts. They're instigators. That's what I call them in all professional wrestling. They are terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. When Rick O'Shea is sitting there and being called Richard O'Shea, crying and and there and Charlie just looks so indifferent. She looks like you know what she looks like. She'll get more feeling out of hey, you have a purple starburst over there than anything. Like she is so indifferent to the, to to these people and she's always like it's one thing to be always be the contrarian. No, she's always being like 
just the, the absolute bitch. And our troop was sitting there like making all these jokes. He's like, hey, 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 respect, respect. And like, it's like, dude, you're not even respecting them. <laughs> like these two are the biggest instigators I've ever seen in my fucking life. It's just funny. Um, but Ali cut a great promo. And I'm going to actually cut off some of the sound and put up before the podcast. So some of you guys, if you've listened to it, you probably have already heard it. Um, but it's worth going out of your way to, to watch. Do I still think Retribution will be taken seriously? Uh, no. But Ali cut a great promo here. And he made some great points. He made some great points. So I think it's worth going out of your way to see. But Charlie Caruso and R-Truth are the absolute worst. And they are instigators, without a doubt. Um, WWE seems to be teasing uh, dissension in the ranks of the Hurt Business. I don't know if I like this. I think the Hurt Business have been great. They were great uh, during the summertime. Not all of them have championships. I just think it's really early. And I get what they're doing with Cedric Alexander. I do. I'm hoping this is one of those things where MVP can just bring them back together. These guys need to be together for at least another six, seven months. I think you could do a lot more with them. And it could be a lot more. And they could be dominant and everything like that. It, it's, I think it's way too soon. But then again, WWE... The last year has proven that they don't believe in keeping time with anybody. They'll break up anyone, any given time. So um, I I am not surprised if that is a thing that happens. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee had a good match. I, I really liked it. Um, Drew McIntyre defeated Keith Lee clean. And then at the end of it, you see Drew McIntyre grab a mic. So you're sitting there. You're like, all right, what's about to say? All of a sudden, Goldberg's music hits. Goldberg music, all right, that's weird, you know? Goldberg comes out and says about how he, McIntyre has no respect for the legends and blah, blah, blah. And I was super confused watching this. I was like, what? What is, he, what is he talking about? Drew didn't say a damn word. Like, you came up with, and you before Drew could talk. You know, it was super weird. According to Brian Alvarez, I know some of you hate him. But he, he has sources. So according to him, they were running low on time, WWE was, so they were pulling the WCW. And so Drew McIntyre was supposed to cut a promo, and it was supposed to be kind of like a backhanded compliment to the legends. All right? Um, that never happened. They were running low on time, so they sent Goldberg out there. That's why the promo made no sense, is because they ran out of time, essentially. Um, and the reason why apparently it's Goldberg is, according to Dave Meltzer, WWE aka Vince McMahon, feels that no one is ready to face Drew, so they tagged in Goldberg for one of his two matches this year. One, this opens up WrestleMania for Roman Reigns, which I am so happy for. I could not imagine, but I can't... Take that back. I can't imagine, but I don't think they will do it. And I may be eating these words. This may not age well. I can't imagine Goldberg goes to the Royal Rumble, loses to Drew McIntyre after he just simply challenges him, there's nothing, just challenges him, and then goes on to WrestleMania to challenge Roman Reigns and gets two title matches in three months. I can't I can't imagine it, but I don't think they will do it. I would have to imagine Drew McIntyre, who already had his first reign cut short for reasons, I don't think his second reign will be cut short. Goldberg... And his thing also, I was having a conversation with someone, and they were saying how they didn't like the Roman Reigns stuff. They actually sounded like Vince Russo. And they were they, they were like, it feels the same every week. 
you have every right to feel that way. Then he made the comment, and this is where I had to check him. He said, well, no one feels like Brock Lesnar. I was like, but whose fault is that? Are we the one booking the shows? You guys need to say stuff to Vince McMahon. There's a reason why someone does, no one feels like Brock Lesnar. There's a reason why. Who's reason? Who, who's that? And he started laughing, and he was like, no, that's, that's true. I was like, dude, come on now, man. Like, to me... I do think AEW is dropping the ball and staying a little bit by him being out there every week. I do. I really do. However, I do think once this initial angle gets out of the way, we won't see him on TV as much. I really do believe that. I think that's the problem is they don't want to build anyone up. And speaking of building people up, Keith Lee apparently was is being heavily pushed to win the Rumble, and Vince doesn't see it. And Vince McMahon, supposedly, this is all rumor, said... We can't put him in there at 15 and he goes all the way. People will see it. They will see he gets tired. They will see he's not ready. Hand raised. Thank you very much for choosing me, teacher. Um, Yokozuna was the first person, I believe, first or second, to come in at 27 and win the Royal Rumble. Yokozuna was nowhere near the shape that Keith Lee is or the athlete that Keith Lee is. He was a, ter- a great athlete for his size. He is not Keith Lee. Keith Lee could put Keith Lee in, especially since most of those Royal Rumble spots that go all the way. Look at Royal Rumble 2006. Triple H and Rey Mysterio had so much laying down time. It is ridiculous. So don't sit here and make it seem like, just say you don't want him to win the your match. Don't say he's not ready yet, though, to do it when the most famous number, the thing they push all the time, is number 27. It's not number one and number two. So that's not a thing. That's only a thing if you want to make it a thing, but that's not a thing. And now I'm tired of saying thing, but you get my point. So when I'm seeing all this, my first thought was, how can anyone feel special? They had a great match. Do I think Drew should have pinned Keith Lee? <sighs> I, I wish they wouldn't have done that. But... Keith Lee proved he can hang with the big boys here, in my opinion. But to say he's not ready because he couldn't go in at 15, nah, get out of here. That nah, Get out of here. That's not a thing. I don't know who's going to win the Rumble. After watching SmackDown this week, and I'll get my thoughts on that in a moment, I would have to say it's still got to be, I know someone was pushing me, Daniel Bryan. It has to be him. I can't think of anyone else right now unless someone comes out and surprises. The Rumble's two weeks away. So... We will soon see. But uh, that is your raw notes. And it's it was a terrible show. Uh, Legends Night was a joke, as usual. But the whole Goldberg thing, they really should have ended it with... If they were running low on time, they really should have just said, you know what, let's let Drew... Let, let someone get a notification of Drew. Do not get a mic. Or get a mic and say, thank you for being here for us, blah, blah, blah. Or Keith Lee, great match or whatever. Go off the air. Nice way to go off the air with a win. And then next week you do your angle with Goldberg and Drew McIntyre. But this was a terrible way in Raw. But not surprising. And unfortunately, also, last thing I'll say about Raw is, unfortunately, Randy Orton did not burn Alexa Bliss as I was hoping. Uh, he is not the pyromaniac. And that's really, really unfortunate. Let's hit NXT. Uh, Timothy Thatcher was injured, so there was no fight pit match, which was unfortunate, but I hope he heals up fast. Uh, the Men's Dusty Classic will return, and it starts next 
week, there was also an announcement on a new women's tag team Dusty Classic. I There was nothing else announced, no date of when it starts, but there will be a women's version of it. Looking forward to that. Uh, speaking of the women, Zia Lee looks fantastic. She always looked great, gorgeous, all stuff. But, I mean, she looked like a million freaking bucks. She had a squash one here, very aggressive. I don't know where the storyline is going, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what this all is. But she looked absolutely like a monster and fantastic here. I loved every second of it. Um, Raquel defeated Rhea Ripley in a last woman standing match, in a great last woman standing match. Um, supposedly, Rhea Ripley is uh, being called up. And that's not surprising. I still think they should do it at the Rumble. She should make her appearance in two weeks at the Rumble. Um, since technically NXT is not in continuity with uh, the main roster, it won't matter. This loss won't matter. But, you know, hopefully they do what I think they're going to do. And that's put her in the Royal Rumble match and have her win. Either her or Bianca. Um, speaking of call-ups, apparently... Damian Priest was supposed to be called up last week, and now those plans were next. But he did have a fight here with Karrion Cross. He did lose. But apparently him and Rhea are to be called up. I would have to imagine these will be two of the surprises in the Royal Rumble. By the way, speaking of the Royal Rumble, there will be no fans in attendance according to Russell Votes. Russell Wilson's broke a ton of news. Um, but apparently they will not have any fans in the building, which means a lot of piped-in 10 counts, which I will gladly mute. Um, I'm okay with that. Uh, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly beat the hell out of each other again, but this time it was a different way of winning. Finn Balor made Kyle O'Reilly tap. So I would have to imagine the next takeover, which is announced for Valentine's Day, I would have to imagine it's going to be Pete Dunne versus Finn Balor. Because I don't know if there's going to be a takeover for WrestleMania weekend, but if there is, they may hold it off until then. But I, I don't know where you go with it from here. I can't imagine Karrion Cross getting that championship back. I don't think he's going to be in NXT for much longer. But, I mean, uh, who knows? Um, but as of right now, that Finn Balor is having a resurgence in his career with, with these matches in NXT. I don't know what you do with him after he loses. Because I just don't think Vince McMahon gets him. But, my God, he he... He has he to me did what Kenny Omega did. He just was able to do it earlier because he went to NXT earlier. You know, he just Prince Devitt is back. You know, um, in those in these matches with these with everybody, he's just been fantastic. AEW. Let's get to well, Moxley cut a great promo here, and he and he had a great line. He said, "I have zero tolerance for shitty people." That is a great rule to have. Um, but he said he was not done with Omega. I really feel like this, him being at the bottom, this whole year will be him just fighting a bunch of Kenny Omega's goons. I don't think he'll get that championship back, but I do think it's just going to lead to some great feuds with him and other people to where this is kind of reminds me of, it won't be as, as annoying as it got in WWE, but when he was chasing Seth Rollins, you know, Rollins beat him every time. I don't think it's going to be like that, though. I think it's going to be him just being, like, other people just being fed to him. Whether it's the Good Brothers, whether it's the the Young Bucks. Like, it's going to be a bunch of people that's just constantly getting in his way while he tries to get to Kenny Omega. And I do believe they're going to have another match where Kenny Omega and him are just going to beat the hell out of each other. But I don't think it's going to be for the championship. I mean, it could very well be. It could be one. I just think with this Impact partnership, I think... It's changed the game for them to where it's going to be so many people he's wrestling. I just, I think the way you keep Moxley occupied is by just throwing uh, opposition versus opposition at him. 
Um, Sheeta and Abaddon had a match that was very disappointing. I was looking so forward to it. Um, Sheeta did retain her women's championship. Um, I was very disappointed in this match. I really want them to get it because I, I, I know Abaddon could do great things. And I know Sheeta is a great wrestler as well. So I just I hope they get another chance. It may not be for that championship. And I don't know where you go with this women's championship. Like, Britt Baker has not really been wrestling. She's been doing the, the her, her talk show or whatever, which Cody Rhodes will be on next week. Um, but I don't know. This, But this wasn't good, unfortunately. And, and these, this, this women's division just needs a shot in the arm. The same way the WWE tag team division just needs more. Their women's division, they, they need to sign Tessa Blanchard. They need it. And they need Rio to come back. I know Rio has officially left stardom a couple weeks ago. They need Rio to come back, and they need to sign Tessa Blanchard. They need that shot in the arm. Um, but what everybody's talking about, let's just get right to it right now, is the show-closing angle, where Ray Phoenix and Kenny Omega have a great match. Omega wins. And all of a sudden, Don Callis points to the big screen and says, hey, looking back. And Eddie Kingston and uh, the Butcher and the Blade have beaten down Pac and uh, El Pensa Zero, and there's no help for Phoenix, and they're just beating him down. All of a sudden, Moxie comes out with a barbed wire baseball bat, nails Kenny in the arm as Don Callis runs, and before uh, Moxie can lay in, the Good Brothers make their AEW debut holding, or wearing, should I say, the Impact World Tag Team Championships. So the Impact World Tag Team Championships have now been officially on AEW. The NWA Women's Championship have been has been on AEW. And by the way, it's being defended next week. Sarah Deep versus Tay Conti, um, the Women's Championship. But that's just amazing. Just have these other, just different brands' championships all over the place. And everyone, should, that all the you know, lackeys, all the dark superstars, or not, when I say dark, I mean AEW dark, um, try to run in and help Moxie. They get beaten down. The Bucks come out. They say, hey, man, calm down. Calm down. They try, do, you, do you think they're they're calm things down? Well, Jungle Boy, he gets up and holds Kenny Omega. He gets super kicked for his troubles. So now you're like, well, what's going on here? And by the end, they're all putting up the two-sweet sign, and the Bucks join in. So you see the Bullet Club, or for a form of the Bullet Club, uh, standing tall at the end. I don't think this was a heel turn for the Bucks. I just think it's one of those things where it's just... The band is together. It's super cool. And the band has all has all the gold. The Bucks are the AEW World Tag Team Champions. The Impact World Champion is the Good Brother Brothers. And Kenny Omega is your AEW World Heavyweight Champion. So this was a great cliffhanger for the first show of the year. Um, I just don't think it was a heel turn for the Bucks. But it's going to make things interesting now. It makes things very interesting. And I've been hearing the idea floated from a lot of different people. Do do I think that Kenny Omega is going to win the Impact World Title? I know it's going to lead to a match. He, like he specifically targeted Rich Swan. Rich Swan is an Impact World Champion. I would have to imagine they have a, a match in next Sunday at Hard to Kill. It's a six man tag. Um, Motor City Machine Guns and Rich Swan versus the Good Brothers and Omega. I would have to imagine Omega is going to get the pin in that over Rich Swan, which will then will lead to a one on one match with. Rich Swan and Kenny Omega, and maybe a title for title. Um, I'm all for it. I love Rich Swan's matches. Kenny Omega, I think it's going to be a hell of a match. I don't know if he'll win it, but it wouldn't be surprising. He still has a AAA title as well. You cannot forget that. 
you know, he's been AAA champion for close to a year, if not over a year. Um, he just defended it, like, what, two months ago or something like that. Um, but I would have to assume this is the year, of, like I, I said it, this is the year of the cleaner. So it wouldn't surprise me if they put that Impact World Championship on him. I mean, this is this is good. This is good. This is fun stuff. I loved what they did, the show closing angle. But like I said, I do not think it was a Bucks uh, heel turn, personally. Let's get to, well, speaking of Impact as well, while we're here, uh, Brian Myers, the former Kurt Hawkins, Hawkins, excuse me, has signed a new deal with Impact, so congratulations to him. And also, speaking of the NWA, Nick Aldis has hit 800 days as champ, and to me, that's what that championship is all about, is like uh, NWA has always had long-term championships. I know they've been shut down due to COVID, um, but he was doing great before then. I actually got a chance to meet him. He came out here to Rocky Mountain, or RMP, uh, nice guy. A uh, good worker, and he holds the, he holds that championship with such honor and prestige. So, uh, congratulations to him on 800 days of being an NWA champion. Let's get to SmackDown, where they did something that was really, really weird. Just tops off the rest of the week. As I started off saying the things we thought we wouldn't see, and we've seen this week, we saw another thing. Perhaps the resurrection of Nakamura's career in WWE. I don't know. I'm going to hold my breath, and I'll probably die in less than an hour. If I, if I actually said, if I, if I actually went all in and said, yeah, that's what they were doing. But I don't know what they're doing. But let's, we'll get to that last. Sonya Deville shows up talking to Adam Pearce, and Adam Pearce says he needed help. And she said, well, yeah, you're both on Raw and SmackDown, and I'm here to help. And then she said, well, I'm not bitter that my former best friend left to go create another tag team. Bitch, you were the one that was trying to set her up, and you were the one that became the heel. <laughs> like, the, that was your fault. <laughs> and they still they have not said, because I didn't say this last week, I, didn't, I just for, completely forgot to write it down and mention it, that she was back. But they have not really mentioned how she came back, how she's back as GM. Like, how, who, who offered her the position? Why is she a GM of SmackDown? Most women don't really last long except for Vicky Guerrero. I think AJ Lee's reign as a GM lasted all of like three or four months. Vicky has been was the only female that I could think of that's been an authority figure that's not Stephanie that's lasted longer than that. But I mean, um, I don't know where this is going. It's good to see her back on TV, but how did she get her job back? You know. So also Adam Pearce was not all over this show. He was not done. Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns said, "Hey, you know." Reigns felt disrespected, and Paul Heyman called, calmed him down. Well, they had a surprise for him. They pulled some strings, and they said, Hey, Adam Pierce, you are officially in the gauntlet. So the gauntlet was to determine who would get the shot at championship at the Royal Rumble. This gauntlet consisted of Rey Mysterio, Sami Zayn, Nakamura, Baron Corbin, Daniel Bryan, and Adam Pierce. We'll get back to that later. The, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships have changed hands. The, I want to say... Shoot, I, it it's been, it was under a year for sure, especially with them changing the championships, just like handing them over to the new day and vice versa. But that was a long title reign the Street Profits had, and they lost them to I'm not calling them that new name. They're calling themselves Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. It seems like somehow Dolph Ziggler gets at least one championship run a year. Or one championship match a year. This year he got two. Well, last year he got two championship matches against Drew McIntyre, and now he's a tag team champion again. This guy, I guess he's happy with his 
with his things with his career in WWE going on the way it is. That's why he's never left. And he signs a new deal after new deal after new deal. But this guy, I, I will I should matter of fact, I'll do my research now. He has to be a five or six time tag team champion if you include the Spear Squad stuff. Um, but we'll find out right now. Do, 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 do. I had no clue he was forty years old. He looks great for his age. And that's at forty years old is not it's not old by any stretch of imagination. What I mean though is he um just you can't tell. So let's see. He is a six time intercontinental champion, three time tag team champion. No, see, hold on a second. Oh, oh. Yeah, three time tag team champion. Four. So only four. That's surprising. He was one. Yeah, that's that's very surprising. I thought it would be more, but maybe I'm thinking about Intercontinental Championship reigns. Well, anyways, um, nothing exciting here. Um, the real stuff came afterwards. There was I, there was clearly. Um, I don't think I'm sure some people may think it's a botch. I don't think it was a botch. I think it was designed for this to, to get a rematch in during the Apollo Crews Big E Intercontinental Championship match, which was all right. Uh, it was a superplex off top. Uh, Apollo Crews hooks Biggie's leg. One, two, three. The ref counts. Well, the ref says that all four shoulders were down for both men, two shoulders each. Well, in the replay, clearly Big E's shoulders are down, but Apollo Crews's aren't. Well, at the end of the match, uh, Big E's giving him props. Hey, man, whatever. He says, "You really want to have your first defense be like that? You want that? You want that?" And like you can see Apollo Crews getting angry, and Big E's just trying to pound him up, trying to dap him up. And he says, no, I want it now. And Biggie's like, no. So all of a sudden, Apollo just slaps him. He's, Biggie sends the referee away. Says, I will do it right now. And he makes short work of him. And now the match speeds up. You see a more aggressive Biggie. Um, I want to say maybe two or three minutes later, Biggie hits a big ending to retain his championship. But there's an argument here for Apollo Crews that he deserves a rematch because he should be the new Intercontinental Champion because his shoulders were clearly up. And I don't think it was a botch. I think that was by design to have another rematch. So there were, so I think even if there is an open invitation match next week, I think, I don't know if Apollo Cruz is turning heel or not, but I do think he's going to interrupt it or something because if you look at the replay, he clearly pinned the champion. Um, so there's an argument to keep this going. I think they, I think we will have better matches than that, uh, these two. I think this is just an angle. Whenever you have an angle and you're setting something up, I think... It's kind of hard to get into those matches uh, because, like, the angle is just so overpowering. It's kind of like when you put too much salt in a soup or something like that, and you start tasting like, ah, it was better if I just wouldn't put as much salt. You get, you dig what I'm saying? Something like that. It's just the angle overpowers the rest of everything. So I think the next match should be a really good match. Now let's get to the gauntlet match. We already said the people in it, but they can't. Here's how they come out: Rey Mysterio's first. Sami Zayn is second, and Sami Zayn is talking, saying it's a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. He brings his own camera crew. Well, as Sami Zayn is talking, he sets himself up perfectly for the 619, of course. He has his head through the ropes. He's yelling at his camera crew to be in position. Well, he gets in perfect position, gets nailed with the 619. He is eliminated in second, so this is the angle to get him eliminated. So out next comes Nakamura. Nakamura and Rey Mysterio, it's kind of botchy, but they have a decent match. All of a sudden, Nakamura locks in a... Armbar, Rey Mysterio taps. Oh, okay. Well, Baron Corbin comes out, attacks Dominique Mysterio, attacks Rey, then runs in. Him and Nakamura have a match. Nothing special. Decent spots here and there. The Deep Six, how can you not love seeing the Deep Six on 
anybody. The deep six, whenever he hits it, is so good. Um, so it's just it just is great, you know. Um, he hits the deep six. Well, then he goes for that move where he gets thrown out of the ring. He goes around the ring post, comes back and hits the clothesline. Well, as soon as Barry Coleman comes back in, he gets hit with a Kinshasa out of nowhere. One, two, three. Nakamura is now eliminated. Baron Corbin and Rey Mysterio. Out up next is Daniel Bryan. This is the match a lot of people have been waiting for. And we've seen teases of these two in the ring, but nothing special. And even this, you can see if they are given time what these two can do. I thought what they did was great in this. Daniel Bryan coming out. And my first thought was this. They're, they're making Nakamura the MVP of this gauntlet. And so I'm like, why are they doing that, though? To see if he still has something, to see if there's something there. I I don't know, but they were, they essentially made him the I'm gonna call it the Kofi Kingston of this gauntlet, you know, eliminating most of the field on his own, and you know, going 20, 25 minutes or whatever. It wasn't as long as what Kofi did, you no, know, or Seth Rollins, but he was the MVP of MVP of this. Finally, Brian goes for a knee in the corner once again. I have nowhere that Kinshasa one, two, three. Daniel Bryan at the end shows respect by shaking his hand. Like, I would love to see more of this. This was, like I said, this was the best part of the gauntlet, in my opinion. And then afterwards came the controversial part that some people are going to complain about. A lot of people are going to complain about. Um, up next, Roman Reigns comes out, and he's out there with Jey Uso and Paul Heyman. Jay and Nakamura go face-to-face. And Jay's telling Nakamura, hey, you're going to get this work, too. So all of a sudden, he punches Nakamura. They're going back and forth, and all of a sudden, the heels get the... The, the their licks in you see a splash a super kick from Jey Uso Paul uh I'm about to say Paul Pierce listen to me Pierce comes out he doesn't want to go in and Nakamura is now laid out Superman punch splash super kick all that stuff Pierce wants no part of it well Reigns comes in goes outside says hey this is my show you're my employee just inserting his dominance no clue where Kevin Owens was on this night he was nowhere to be found. Um, but there was a promo earlier where, uh, Reigns was not too happy with him, as I said earlier, and it took Paul Heyman to calm him down, but all of a sudden, the cell, the freaking cell of the super kick from Jey Uso, Pierce turns around, Adam Pierce just turns around, boom, right to a kick, the cell of it was perfect, he just goes down, bag of rocks, whatever, and they just and Reigns looks at Jay, says, "Hey, put him on top of Nakamura." He puts him on top of Nakamura. The ref counts three. After, by the way, Reigns said, "Ring the bell." And the most in, unenthusiastic bell ring of all time is, "Ding!" <laughs> that was it. All of a sudden, the ref counts three. Adam Pearce is your number one contender for the Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble. I'm sure there's going to be an angle at the Rumble. I don't think there's going to be a a match, I don't see them giving Adam Pierce. I, like I said, Adam Pierce said it earlier. He says I haven't wrestled in six years, and I don't think he has at all. I don't. I, I remember him. I don't think he's had a match in six years, though. I do. I think that's actually accurate. And so I don't know what they're doing here. I don't know why they made Nakamura the. I was. I would have assumed they would just made Daniel Bryan the MVP of this thing, but Nakamura had a great showing. The stuff with him and Daniel Bryan was good. But what they're doing is really setting up for down the road a bunch of people that the bloodline is going to have screwed over that are going to come back for revenge. So um, Count Nakamura on that list with Daniel Bryan 
and Kevin Owens now. Um, that was your SmackDown. It's going to be interesting. I'm actually not mad about it. I'm I'm obviously mad that they did the, the biggest cock tease ever with thinking that Nakamura could get a shot at the WWE Championship. But at the same time, I was like, dude, he got some time to shine here. He didn't disappoint. I, look here. If they're doing going to do something with him, let's see it. I'm all for it, obviously. I'm a huge Nakamura fan. Um, so those were your shows for the week. Just a couple of quick news and notes, and then we'll go to the more epic episode or show this week, part of the show this week. Um, Cody Hall, son of Scott Hall, signed with MLW, then left immediately. No one really knows why. It's unfortunate because Cody Hall has like the size, but it seems like he can never stay anywhere for long. It just feels like he just goes into obscurity so long. So I don't know what his deal is. I hope whatever he's looking for, he finds it. He he can go. You know, he 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 can go and make his own name. He doesn't have to be Scott Hall's son. He can go and do his thing. I don't know if he's... I do remember Scott Hall doing an interview and saying how Cody really wants to be in WWE. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not ready for that. That's not why I'm here. I just think he can get so much... With all the wrestling going on now, he can wrestle some of the biggest names in the industry and really get ready for WWE and the bullshit they're going to put him through more than likely. Um, I hope he finds his way because he really is a good talent. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. I saw this like after I finished recording last week, but I wanted to note, note this. Um, due to his AEW commitments, he had to relinquish the OVW championship. And my first thought was, that's that's awesome that we're going to see more of him, even if it's on dark. I think he's a hell of a talent. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him more on TV. I, I, love, I, I love his dad, but I, I love him too. Uh, a documentary on Chris Candido will be out later this month. I was looking for some more information on this, and I didn't see anything, but someone actually just hit me up uh, in my DMs on Instagram and said, hey, I know I have a, I'll, I'll have a link by next week, so I'll have a link to be able to watch it, and I'll send it to anybody that wants it. Unless it's like stealing or some sort of thing. I'm not getting involved in that. Um, Marty Scroll in ROH Part Ways. At one point in time, Marty Scroll was one of the hottest free agents... In wrestling, the speaking out movement has cooled him off tremendously, and I know that. Um, I know that Austin Theory was a part of that, and some other people were, and they're still on TV or whatever. Velveteen Dream was there, but he's cooled off as well. Um, here's the thing: I can't imagine. WWE will want to touch anyone else that's on it. Right now, it's a huge risk to Austin Theory being on TV, even though nothing's been brought about it. Even Velveteen Dream a couple weeks ago when he was on TV, even though he's barely on TV now, him being on television is a huge freaking risk. You know, that I couldn't imagine them doing, unless they're for sure, there's nothing there. I don't know where Marty Scroll goes now. I can't imagine AEW's going to touch him at the moment. I don't know what he's going to do. Some people, this this was a career ender for a lot of guys. Um, hopefully, he's not one of them because he, he did admit to sleeping to that with that woman, but he says he didn't know her age. Believe whatever you want. That's your opinion, not mine. I'm not going to tell you my opinion. That's his, that's that's a story. Um, at one time, he, he's a great he's a great talent. And the fact that he had all that power, and he that's why he signed with ROH. was because he b- became head booker. Um, I don't know where he goes from here, but he's probably going to have a long, hard road back. Um, and someone's going to need to take a chance. 
and it's not going to come easy. So, um, let's get to more epic here. Um, I thought the show would be longer, but I guess I I wrote my notes differently this week, so I think that helped with the groove and being able to go in and out of things. But I don't know. Anyways, last week we had some great feedback from this, and so I decided to do another one. Um, I actually have a bunch of them written down, but this one I had, now this was the second one I was going to do, then I ended up going into so much detail that I realized, holy crap, I'm, if I do another one, I'll probably go another 30, 40 minutes. So. This one will have Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, and Batista versus Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. What was more epic? So, the build slash story. First, we'll start with Daniel Bryan. That is obviously well, well documented. It started in 2014 at SummerSlam when John Cena said, hey, the person I accept or the person I want to fire SummerSlam is Daniel Bryan. Brian was just hot. He came off the the, the hell the team hell no stuff. And he had and, and he had felt like he was holding back the team. And he was just hot. Going to that match, Cena was hurt. And Cena still put on, to me, a great match with Daniel Bryan. Loses clean. The, to the first time we actually see that that knee. And I remember watching it, right? We had just moved to Atlanta. I remember watching it. And I remember I I, I know whose move it was. But as soon as I seen they said, oh, he hit the knee. I said, that's got to be it. I remember seeing this guy, this, this white guy in the in the front row when John Cena, you know, lost. I was like, what? A knee? <laughs> but I remember just seeing how the knee looked. I said, oh, I know whose knee that is. That's a, that's a finisher. I didn't know that was Daniel Bryan's new finisher, but I knew that move was a finisher. Anyways, um, after the end of it, it's this is the most infamous part. Triple H was the guest referee. Why he made himself the guest referee, we'll never know. But then we find out later on, he kicks, well, Randy Orton comes out, he's Mr. Money in the Bank, he comes out, teases the cash in, Brian's waiting for him, and Triple H is just standing right behind him. I remember I was with my ex at the time, and she was like, yeah, you better back off, Randy. I said, no, that, that, stay tuned. I had called this from the minute John Cena said that Daniel Bryan was going to be his opponent at SummerSlam. I looked at her, I said, Randy Orton's going to cash in at SummerSlam. She said, what? Why would you say that? I said, it's just obvious. I don't know why it was that obvious to me, but it just was. And I was just like, it's so fucking obvious what they're doing. Sure enough, one pedigree, Orton walks into the ring, slowly hands over the briefcase, and one, two, three, one pedigree, Orton is your new WWE champion. Now, in the following months, you did have a brief back and forth where Daniel Bryan gets the WWE Championship back only to get screwed out of it again. Then they change direction. Now Big Show's the number one contender for the WWE Championship. Daniel Bryan's an afterthought. He's now joined the Wyatt family as Bray Wyatt has now taken him over. Daniel Bryan during this whole time was so fucking hot to where the one of the biggest pops ever. I'm sure he doesn't even remember because I believe he got a concussion in this match. It was a steel cage tag team match. Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt with I can't remember who they were facing. But Daniel Bryan had this look. And he was concussed this entire time. Where he is just him and Bray in the steel cage. He locks the door. He beats the hell out of Bray. Turns face again. He never was a heel. But it was he had joined the Wyatt family just because. But he was never a heel. The fans were going absolutely nuts. And he kicks the crap out of Bray. That raw going off the air. 
the entire crowd. You just see it. It's worth watching on YouTube or on the network. Everyone's just going freaking crazy. All of a sudden, you just don't know where Daniel Bryan's match is. Daniel Bryan loses the Rumble. I don't, I don't think Daniel Bryan was in the Rumble. Was he in the Rumble that year? I think he was. I think Bray eliminated him and then the, the crowd booed. So we come to find out it was going to be Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus. Why were they obsessed? Why was Vince obsessed with those two wrestling at a WrestleMania? I'll never know. I will never know why he... Look at their history. They were supposed to wrestle at WrestleMania 27. That got pushed to the pre-show. But they still technically wrestled in the pre-show against each other, even though it became a battle royal. Air quotes, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. WrestleMania... Was it Wrestle, WrestleMania 28? They did wrestle 18 seconds. And then just a, a two years later, WrestleMania 30, they wanted it to be a, th- a trilogy. Literally. They just had no... Vince just had no idea of what to do with Daniel Bryan. Well, now the story gets more interesting as CM Punk, who had his match against Triple H already, now quits the company the night after the Rumble. Now, you have the real build. Now, Batista's back. Batista's getting booed. He wins the Rumble. It's set up. WrestleMania. Randy Orton versus Batista, your main event for the WWE Championship. I remember one of the main reasons I wanted to go, besides it being the first time in my home state that they were going in Louisiana, they were going to be at WrestleMania, it was, I want to be in that arena when these people boo the shit out of that main event. Well, all of a sudden, Triple H needs a match now. Well, now it's insert Triple H and Daniel Bryan. So then you have that great segment on Raw where it's, I believe, it's essentially a takeover. It's a sit-in. Uh, Daniel Bryan, I believe catering folks it was, and a, and a very few select fans took over Raw Great segment, one of the best segments they've ever done, where Daniel Bryan says, hey, you can have your show back, you give me what I want. And so Vince, uh, Vince, Triple H sends two fat security guards, I won't say fat, overweight security guards down, and what are they going to do? The ringside is literally covered with people, with yes shirts on. So they go back, Triple H and Stephanie do play this very well, they get super pissed. Triple H says, fine, you have your match against me. Then Daniel Bryan says, nah, that's not all I want. Then he says, if I win, I get inserted into the main event. So he gets everything he wants, one of the best segments in Raw history. Um, and then this sets up the match at WrestleMania. Uh, one of the best opening matches in WrestleMania history. I, I would say it was the last great Triple H singles match. Uh, because his last great WrestleMania match was that tag team match with him and Ronda Rousey and... Uh, and him, Stephanie, Ronda Rousey, and Kurt Angle. But his last great singles match was this match. Uh, Daniel Bryan comes in favoring the ribs, defeats Triple H clean, gets beat down afterwards. Then at the end of the show, we all know what happened. The miracle on Bourbon Street. Daniel Bryan makes Batista tap to the yes lock, wins the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Um, just that's the bill for that one. The bill for Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan was a lot short, a lot more unexpected. Um, WWE didn't have to be forced in this one. They they they, they just listened. Uh, I, which I have to give them credit for this. Um, it was supposed to be a gauntlet match, and it was supposed to feature Mustafa Ali. And the week before, in the week prior, Randy Orton stomps Mustafa Ali. 
gives him a black eye and a concussion. He's out. Now Kofi Kingston's in the gauntlet match. And Kofi Kingston goes, I believe, about 45, 50 minutes. Tears the house down. And the beginning of Kofi Mania, Kofi Mania begins. Um, now the, the fans are chanting Kofi. I believe the original plan from what I think Kevin Owens has even said was Kevin Owens was supposed to come back and challenge Daniel Bryan for the championship. And he was going to be a face. Well, he quickly turned heel because the momentum Kofi had. And so it, it got they, they because this happened out of nowhere, they put they did way too much. They tried to um, convolute things to where Kofi couldn't help out Woods and Xavier. If you know, if Woods and Xavier didn't get championship, let's rewind. Then you go to the elimination chamber. Kofi has a tremendous showing in the elimination chamber, but Daniel Bryan comes back on top. And so Daniel Bryan is a heel now. He has that ugly championship belt, and he's saying he's calling Kofi a B-plus player. And because this came out of nowhere, as I was saying a few seconds ago, they made everything convoluted. New Day had to go through a bunch of gauntlet matches. Kofi went through a gauntlet match only to have Daniel Bryan come out at the end and squash his dream. Um, and, and Vince is just saying, hey, you'll go in the Hall of Fame, but as a member of the New Day, you'll never get that brass ring, blah, blah, blah. Finally, in a gauntlet match, the final gauntlet match they had, it was Kofi, it was, excuse me, it was Xavier Woods and Big E. They had to go there to run the gauntlet of tag teams. And one of the greatest moments to me, one of the best moments to me was when the Usos, who these guys just went to war with each other the year prior for the tag team championships, they had that great Hell in a Cell match. They come out and say, hey, you know, Kofi's earned our respect. He's earned the fans' respect. And due to that, we forfeit. And it was a, to me, it was a, it, I'm getting goosebumps. Literally, I, I swear, I'm, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about, it. I remember watching that saying, how about that? What a way to book them to where, because now Usos are faces now. So now you're going to put the faces, the faces and the tag team champions in the way of these guys. But it's like just them drawing on that history. How couldn't you respect these guys after? They just went to war the year before. They just beat the fuck out of each other, and so it was. It was to me. I don't know that. I just don't know why I got goosebumps for that. But I just did. I think I had goosebumps at that moment. I was like, "Oh crap!" Like it was never in doubt that Kofi was going to Mania. It was in doubt if he was going to win or not. <laughs> um, but um, it, it was just such a moment to, for for me as a fan. Anyways, Kofi gets his shot. That WrestleMania was all about Kofi Mania. I know Becky, Becky, they had convoluted that storyline so much that, and the show was so long. But that early part of the show, it was Kofi Mania. Um, but let's, we're going to get to in a second. I kind of already went overboard. The build in the story, I have to go with Daniel Bryan versus Orton, Randy Orton and Batista just because it was built up for so long and it wasn't supposed to happen. Neither was the Kofi thing. But it wasn't supposed to happen only because WWE fought it so much. They didn't fight this as much with the Kofi. But they fought this for months and it happened. So I have to give the first point to Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, Batista. Second, the atmosphere. WrestleMania 30 was all about Daniel Bryan. It was all about his journey. It was, it's, so it's hard to choose this one. And I have to give this one a tie. They both get a point each. Or half a point each, excuse me. Because 
I was in the building for for WrestleMania 30, not the WrestleMania with uh, Kofi, but it was all about Daniel Bryan. It was all about him that night. And then after Undertaker lost his streak, that was the only thing that built the fans back up. But that WrestleMania 36 with Kofi being in a prime position, Seth Rollins being in a position, and Becky, you just didn't know who was going to lose. And I think people, most people thought it was going to be Kofi. I know me personally, I thought it was going to be Kofi. I, I said, well, I'm assuming they're going to give Rollins the rub. I'm assuming Becky, but... Well, you know what? I think it was between Becky and Kofi. You just didn't know. Because once they inserted Charlotte Flair in that main event, it was like, ugh, I don't know what they're going to do. They may they may want Charlotte to win the first ever main event with the women. Um, but I have to give a half a point here because the atmosphere was just surrounding both. To me, those were the highlights of both those WrestleMania. So half a point goes for both for the atmosphere. The match. <sighs> so a triple threat match was not bad. It really wasn't. Um, it's always hard to judge, to judge triple threat matches just because it's a bunch of laying down time. Daniel Bryan had a moment where he was stretched out, then he came, or he was about to be stretched out, then he came back in. I have to give the point here to Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. I just, I just have to. Um, because that was the match of the night and the build for it. And it was, and that's the thing, it, it was just, if you go back and watch WrestleMania 36 in that match, the fans are excited, but the fans are like, when he got locked in the yes lock, I think everyone said, oh, he's going to lose, how can he lose? You know what I'm saying? Like, all this momentum, and, and he, he's going to lose, like, it brought me back to, this is going to be blasphemous to some people, but it's my show, so fuck off. Brought back to how Shawn Michaels was when Shawn Michaels was in danger. Just it just it just felt like oh Shawn's gonna lose. You know it just it had that feeling. He that that crowd was there for the story. Like I think once in my opinion once Daniel Bryan defeated Triple H, I think everyone knew he was gonna win. It just they just needed to see it happen. Right? No one knew for sure the history of this company and how they treat some of their black talent. It's, it's for another podcast, but um, this was so important, and to me, it just—I don't know—it it, it was just different. But I, I had to give a point to Kofi and uh, Brian. By the way, Daniel Bryan doesn't actually lose either because he's in both. Um, for the moment, so for me, this has to be another tie. You see, I, you see Connor, the kid that passed away. You see Dan Bryan leave out, hug him. Just a great him holding both those championships up and him main eventing WrestleMania. Let's be honest. We've I don't think us as fans, if you're really a fan of all of pro wrestling, I don't think you could have ever seen yourself saying, Oh yeah, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, the American Dragon, will main event at WrestleMania. AJ Styles will main event a Wrestle. I don't think you would would say that. You you know what I'm saying? Those are just not the people that we're used to seeing in those prime positions. Um, I have to give a point to both, just to, for the, the moment. Now, I was going to give a point to, excuse me, I'm retracting myself now. I was going to give a point to both. What what makes me going to give a point just to Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, and Batista is because it was the main event. This was put right in the middle of the show, and because the show was so long, and because the main event was pretty disappointing, I think... 
it, it will be the message. It will be a match tonight, no matter what. And it's, it's Kofi's own one and only tag one on one match at WrestleMania to to this date. But I think it being in the middle of the show hurts it for me. So I have to give a point to the moment for Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, and Batista. That makes it two and a half to one and a half. The impact. This will be unfair. So the impact of it, to me, I have to well, actually, I have to give it to Daniel Bryan, Orton, and Batista. The reason why I say this right. Kofi Kingston had a hell of a run with the WWE Championship. No matter what you think about it, how he lost it, he was booked very strong. I believe up until that loss to Brock Lesnar, he had only been pinned one time. Otherwise, if he was in tag team matches, it was Woods and Big E being pinned. He was booked very strong. I think, I think if anything, it probably only impacted his career, just him... He, to me, he had won every other championship. It was it was time I, I, time for him to at least get one shot at the, the, the belt, right? He otherwise he had never gotten a shot at the belt. So I think it meant something more to his solo solo career as opposed to the overall grand scheme of things. To me, this moment, Brian being as over as he was, and yeah, it was cut short due to his concussion situation, and he ended up retiring. Um. I think overall impact was more because when he came back, now Daniel Bryan has had a level of influence behind the scenes that I think we need to appreciate. Like, to me, if anyone else was world champion at that time, Kofi doesn't, as for as high as Kofi was, Kofi does not win that championship. I would not be surprised if there's a DVD or a documentary made and Kofi and the New Day are like, oh yeah, Daniel Bryan refused to win that night. It was just wouldn't surprise me. Um, to me, that is the overall impact of Daniel Bryan main event in that WrestleMania is because he just is able to now do essentially what he wants, you know, and I think he's able to help younger talent more because even if it's Vince calling the shots, no matter what, it can't be at some point, someone like a Daniel Bryan who says, look here, dude. I could be at home with my family. This is not a big, this is not a loss for me to leave here. You know what I'm saying? When you just have to deal with someone who just doesn't care anymore, who's like, look here, I'm going to give you my opinion whether you want to or not. I just think his level of influence went up with that. There's no way you can say he's never put butts in seats. There's no way you could say he's never been over. This fucker's been over and he's been over for 20 plus years. And he got over on, in ROH and on the air quotes, biggest stage WrestleMania at WWE. So there's no way you can say he's never done the things that have the it factor. Do you say what you want to do and criticize him as a wrestler or a person, whatever? That's your business. That's none of mine. However, him doing that to me, I think, opened the door for, even though Kofi was there before him, obviously, it opened the door saying, hey, this guy's pretty small, but he's over. It's okay to put him in a championship match, whether they want to or not. You know, so anyways, that will be the winner. Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, Batista, three and a half to one and a half. I actually changed this on the fly. It wasn't actually this to, to begin with, uh, but I actually had in the reverse way. I actually had Bryan and Kofi winning. But as I've talked it out now, 
being recorded. Um, I, it just it has to be different. So, anyways, that is your show for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed that more epic segment. If more epic set segment. If um, there's more of you guys want to hear, I have a bunch of them actually written down right here in front of me. Um, we can we can go with that. I said it won't be every week. I just want to test it out these first two weeks and see what you guys thought about it. Um, there was a lot to get to, a lot we did. And actually, hey, we're, we're still at an hour. How about that? So um, that is the show for this week. I will see you guys again, or you guys will hear me again, on the Wednesday show where we will talk about now that we know for sure Green Arrow and the Canaries is not going to move forward as a TV show. What is the le- legacy of Arrow? We'll talk about that on Wednesday. See you guys then.